Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy, and he joins us here on the phone lines right now of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And Gordy, once again, man, appreciate you joining us. How's everything going this afternoon? Well, John, it's a week where the Hawks did not lose. So uh, it's a good week. <laughs> yeah, well, at least uh, at least that basketball to uh, overshine everything because I think a lot of fans are on to basketball season. But you know, in 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 the way that it looks right now, Gordy, and uh, pretty grim for the Razorbacks. They got to win out to go to a bowl game. They got Florida upcoming this weekend, and coming out of the bye, that you know, Rocket Sanders looks like he's going to be able to play. But you know, everybody's kind of just saying like, does it matter though? Like at the end of the day, what? What does it really do? What can it matter? So what do you think as far as for Arkansas, not only in this game against Florida, but just the rest of the season, like does it matter of what they do uh, the rest of the way? Well, I, I think it, it matters in this realm. You play a lot of close games and, and lost them. I do think the last four games are winnable. It's not going to be easy, right? I mean, you know, going to the swamp is, is never easy, even when Florida is not great. Uh, you know, playing Auburn, you know, they, they looked a little bit more confident this past week. FIU should be a, you know, should be an easy win. And then Missouri will be tough. But what's Missouri look like by that point, right? I mean, if they lose to Georgia, they lose a couple of tough SEC East games, they may be limping in that game. And maybe, you know, you could finish the season on a four-game win streak and finish this year 6-6. Six six. I think that would go a long way with building confidence heading into the offseason. Maybe you pick up a couple of big recruits and, you know, have a high recru- higher recruiting class and things like that. But I also think, like, conference pride matters, right? I mean, we're kind of seeing this across the, the SEC in terms of, you know, South Carolina. They have to win out to get to bowl eligibility. Auburn and, and Mississippi State both 4-4. Four and four. They both have to go at least 2-2 two and two down the stretch to get to a bowl game. So, you know, it's kind of happening across a, a lot of teams in the SEC that are fighting for just to get bowl eligible. So, I just think for, for the psyche of this team and the psyche of Sam Pittman, Man, if he could find a way to win these next four, you know, it, it, it would also exacerbate that Dan Enos was way more of a problem than maybe we gave it credit, you know, or, or credence to. Because if this offense does start to click and KJ starting to move the football, that's starting to score the points, we'll look back and go, man, that was an epically bad hire. I mean, it already is. But if we could see more movement out of the offense, and look, Florida's defense has not been. They've been improved, but they've not been great. So I, I do think this is a chance for the Hawks to go on the road. It would be a big, big win. I know you know some people may be checked out already, and it is what it is. But would would go a long way to get a couple of wins here, finish this season. But you know, I've had some people say if they if they lose their last couple of SEC games, like let's say they they go one and three down the stretch, I do think that that they would move on from Sam Pittman, and, and I think they would. Uh, you know, as, as much as we like him, and he's a good guy. I don't know how you keep somebody if they go winless in, in, in conference play. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I do think winning some games here, nobody's going to hang a banner for going 6-6. Six six, but, man, you finish the, game, the season on a four-game win streak, you would certainly be, uh, be happy with heading into the offseason. How do you see this matchup with Arkansas-Florida? Arkansas coming off a bye and then Florida coming off a game against Georgia, their biggest rival game that they look forward to every year. But they are returning home with – a chance to get a win and Arkansas looking desperately looking for a win coming out of a bye. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of fool's gold with Florida. I mean, they, they played their butts off in that Tennessee game. And really that was, that was one of Tennessee's worst games they've played all year. Uh, but we saw 
Kentucky run the football all over Florida. The, the South Carolina game was very fluky. I mean, Carolina was up almost 10 or something going to the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it was a big lead that they let slip away. And then we saw Florida basically, they go down the field, score in their opening drive, and then they get their brains beat in for the next, you know, two, two and a half, almost three quarters. So, uh, look, again, this is a winnable game here, but you got to go score some points. And last time we saw Arkansas's offense, it was it was ugly, ugly with three points in the loss of Mississippi State. So, you um, you know, again, like I, I think I think Florida will try to bounce back. I don't think it'll be as ugly as it was this past weekend, where they just couldn't do anything. And Graham Mertz and company, I mean, every fourth down, it felt like uh, Georgia had it snuffed out. But I, you know, what's the running back room look like for for Arkansas? Is there a chance to get Rocket back? I, I don't know. But, um, again, to me, it's about K.J. Jefferson. He didn't come back for this, right? I mean, being a, an upperclassman, um, a senior quarterback like he is, like he needs to go out there and, and finish the season strong. So, you know, I, I like Arkansas. You know, on paper, you've got some weapons and stuff. You, you can keep this close with the Gators. And, again, maybe you're getting them at the right time where they're coming off of a loss against Georgia where they got pretty humbled. And, and the, the win total for Florida on the year was five and a half wins. And they're at five and three, guys. So maybe there's a little bit of we've overachieved already kind of uh, message. But I just think this is a game that that Arkansas, if they show up ready to play, they they can be in this game. Well, and you mentioned Arkansas. And, yeah, I mean, if they lose this game, bowl eligibility is out the window. But if you think about Florida, though, they get this game at home against a winless Arkansas team. If they don't win this one, that sits them at five and four. But then they got to go on the road to LSU, which they could lose. And then on the road to Missouri which they could lose. And then they end the season against Florida State, one of the best teams in the country. So it's almost like, yeah, if Arkansas loses this game, their bowl eligibility is done. But if Florida loses this game, uh, you know, they, they, there could be a chance that they miss out on a bowl game just given the last three games of that stretch and how tough it is. Oh, there's no doubt. And those conversations are being had down there. This is their, this is their best case at getting the sixth win to get the bowl eligibility. You're, you're right. I mean, the odds of them going to LSU and winning, to Missouri winning, or or beating the top four Florida State team right now don't look good. So, you know, there's there's a scenario we talk about a scenario where Arkansas can win the last four. There's a scenario where Florida loses their last four and they and they finish five and seven. We knew that coming into the year though. We on paper we said they have one of the toughest schedules of anybody. And you know the talk was Billy Napier was on the hot seat and all this. Now those those rumors have, have quelled in recent weeks as he sits there at five and five and three, but. Dude, if you go from five and two and finish five and seven, yeah, the hot the hot seat rumors are going to heat up again on Billy Napier. And uh, you know, again, I know he's got an amazing recruiting class coming in next year, but I don't know if that saves you from from back to back sub five hundred seasons in the swamp. So uh, we'll see what happens. Again, like I said, and like you intimated, this is a big game on on both sides for both Arkansas and Florida. Around the SEC, what did you think of some of the games that happened this weekend? Tennessee, Kentucky was probably the biggest one uh, and, uh, you know, the closest in competition. Tennessee was able to go on the road and come away with a win. Yeah, it was, it was a very entertaining game. Uh, my wife went to Kentucky, so we watched every snap, and she's not happy going from being 5-0 and and talking trash and undefeated to suddenly on a three-game losing streak for Mark Stoops and, and two of those games at home. Uh, losses to Tennessee and losses to Mizzou. So, um, you know, I, I do think that, that Kentucky can, uh, you know, can maybe rebuild here. But, but I mean, again, they're another one that they got to get to their sixth win. Here. And they still have to go play Louisville at the end of the year. Um, you know, schedule doesn't get easier for Kentucky. And, and for Tennessee, man, I, I just can't believe all we talked about with Josh Heupel and his systems and 
it, it, it flinging around the field and, and, and whoever the quarterback is going to throw for a ton of yards and all this. They've become a grounded pound first team this year. It's just amazing. And they have, and they got some really good running backs with Jalen Wright and Javari Small and Dylan Sampson. But it's amazing to me that the Tennessee Volunteers are still number one in the SEC in rushing yards. And I think that I want to say they're like seventh in the country in rushing yards per game. It's, it's pretty fascinating how this team has been built uh, where Joe Milton is just kind of an average quarterback. But he doesn't really have to be much more than that because the run the run game is so good and their defensive front has, has been so much more improved this year. So, yeah, it, it was one of those weird games where it felt like, you know, Kentucky was down two. They tried to kick a field goal. They missed it. And then it was like, all right, they can just get a stop. They'll get the ball back and have a chance. And Tennessee up two just goes right down the field and scores and makes it a nine-point game. And it was like, well, Kentucky's not winning this game. So, um, yeah, impressive win for Tennessee, and we'll see how they finish out. I mean, obviously they still have to play Georgia. They do get them in Knoxville, so a chance at a monster upset. But, unfortunately, I think winning the East is, is out the window for, for Tennessee at this point. You know, even if they could pull off the upset of Georgia, the best they could do is 10-2, is and two, which would be a really high season. But they still have to go at, at Mizzou and then home for Georgia. And right now, at least on paper, I, I'd have them losing both those games. So, you know, nine and three—is that good for Hypo? I guess, but eight and four would certainly be a disappointment for those folks in Knoxville uh, after everything Hypo had built them up to last year. Let's move with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk Seven Ninety here on Out of Bounds. Now, Chris, uh, also looking at just the SEC in general, I felt like a few weeks ago there was really tough to say, okay, well, who's on the hot seat in this conference? Like, who could end up getting fired? I think Billy Napier was really the only one that people started bringing up. But at this point in time, you know, you mentioned Kentucky. I'm not saying that they would for sure fire Mark Stoops, but if they have the disastrous end of kind of the way that they're trending, people could be very upset. And we know about the situation with Sam Pittman, but also a guy like Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Yeah. And he's sitting at two and six as well. Uh, throw in Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. They're at five and three, but I still don't think it's going to be enough. So I guess the question becomes of uh, if things go bad for a few of these teams, could we see – uh, multiple openings happening in the SEC when it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I, I would take Kentucky out of that category. Stoops is worshipped there, and even if things fell apart, they would be disgruntled. But that, that's a basketball school that finally started caring about football. And so, look, he's a, he's a god there. They'll, they'll probably end up building a trophy of him uh, or, or you know a statue of him at some point for being you know one of the most winningest coaches in the history of Kentucky football. So, yeah, expectations are are you know at least in Kentucky. If you can get to six and six every year and get them to a bowl game, they're they're happy with that. Uh, they they love getting the double digit wins a couple years ago, and and obviously that 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 moves mountains there. But Kentucky's fine. Uh, I think Tennessee's fine. The ones you have to watch for, and we'll start in the East. Obviously, Eli Drinkwood's got the extension, and I kind of I think we all kind of looked at it sideways, but he's certainly taken Mizzou to higher to higher heights. So you know, he's a guy I thought maybe keep an eye on but he's not going anywhere. So really it starts here. Napier at Florida, if he finishes sub-500, uh, you know, loses out, I think that's that's certainly his one. But I don't think Florida's going to lose out. Um, you know, so so get get the sixth win, get the bowl eligibility, he's fine. South Carolina is an interesting one. Because Shane Beamer, all the goodwill he's built up, man, he's sitting at two and six, and he's got a nice recruiting class for next year. But what I keep asking is, if he keeps losing, do we start to see some of those recruits start to jump ship? And... Suddenly, if recruits start opting out or, or, you know, decommitting, suddenly that recruiting class starts starts falling down in the rankings, and this thing could really go sideways for Shane Beamer. I don't think he would get fired this offseason, barring, you know, like, again, like we said, losing out. But 
certainly there's a, there's a case to be made. I mean, it's just it has gone downhill. When you're breaking your foot kicking Gatorade bottles, uh, you know something's going gone wrong. I, I hate to do this to Vandy, but Clark Lee, I'm sorry, you took a big step forward last year. You beat Kentucky, you beat Florida. Everybody's going, oh my God, Vandy's not the doormat anymore. Uh, news breaking news: Vandy is still the doormat. They're two and seven. They're zero and five in the conference. I don't think they're going to win another game. Uh, if Vanderbilt wants to go another direction, I would not fault them for that. Uh, I know it's hard to win there. Gary Mason went through it, but you know James Franklin proved you can. You know you can win in this conference. You can win some conference games, but Clark Lee, it's going about as disastrous as you could think. Uh, Zach Arnett, I'm told by everybody that they just think he's not the right guy for Mississippi State. So it would not surprise me if they pulled the plug after one year on him. I think you give the guy at least another chance to see what he could do next year, build a recruiting class, but it's just not a good fit. Guy taking over, first-time head coach, uh, and taking over an air raid system and trying to change it completely, and it's not going well. And then the last one, like you said, is, is A&M and Jimbo. I, I just keep looking at it and saying, is 7-5 good enough? You know, can, can will the Aggies uh, fan base take that? Because they got two monster road trips. They got to go to Ole Miss and to LSU. I don't think they're winning either of those. So if they go seven to five, is that enough for Jimbo to keep his job? We're going to find out how how those uh, big oil money people and their money, you know, uh, the big booster people, if they want to keep him or not. So you're right, John. I mean, a couple of weeks ago it looked like, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's one or two guys on the hot seat. But yeah, we could very well have three or four SEC coaches on the flaming hot seat uh, once the season ends. The big game every year, LSU-Bama coming up this weekend. They even set up the schedule every year with both teams having a bye going into the game. LSU's offense has carried them this year, no defense. Alabama's offense has been limited and good defense, so who do you like? Well, you know, you talk about that Alabama-Tennessee game a year ago. What was the final that was, 52-49? to 49? Hmm. I think – you're going to have a game very much like that this, this Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Because the good news for LSU, they're going to get back their offensive lineman, Emory Jones. And, and basically on offense, they're going to be 100%. I mean, you've got all your weapons, from Jaden Daniels to Malik Neighbors to Brian Thomas Jr., Mason Taylor, uh, Logan Diggs. Everybody's healthy and ready to go on offense. But the defense is a disaster right now. As bad as they've been, they, they were getting better. They shut out Army. They, they got after Auburn. But this past week, they lose Zy Alexander, their best cover corner. He's done for the year. They lose Makai Wingo, one of their best defensive interior linemen. He's done for the year. And they will be without in this game not only Zy Alexander in the secondary, but they're going to be without Denver Harris and Deuce Chestnut. They basically have three healthy corners going into this game. And, and everybody from Jermaine Burton to Amari Dyblack, every Alabama receiver is licking their chops at that idea. So, yeah, it's going to get worse for LSU's defense. I do think Jalen Milrow will have his way. Now, the big thing you can hope for for LSU is that Jalen Milrow messes up and makes one of those mistakes he's become famous for, the untimely interception, uh, the fumble, whatever it is. He's the most stacked quarterback in the SEC this year. I think LSU's defensive front has to show up and has to get after Jalen Milrow and force him into some mistakes. Otherwise, guys, we're talking about a game that is going to be Touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, and it very well may be last team with the ball wins. Chris, you brought up Arnett possibly not being at Mississippi State next year, and we had a listener that had a question for you. Your thoughts on the possibility of Petrino making the move to Mississippi State if they do happen to make a move? Well, I think, I think there's going to be multiple teams interested in him. I mean, the, the, the problem with A&M this year has become – you know, they lose Connor Wegman. They got to go to Max Johnson, and 
Max Johnson's just not a great quarterback. But this past week, he played very well. The a and offensive line did their, did their job and protected. They opened up holes and, and passed protected well. And Max threw for like 250 yards and a touchdown. That, that's, they're getting tremendous output from a backup quarterback who's not even supposed to be playing. And I think that's a credit to Bobby Petrino and his play calling. Again, a lot of stuff had to change when they when Connor Wegman went down with the injury. But for all the problems A&M has right now, sitting at five and three overall, I don't think Bobby Petrino and the offense is is to blame for any of it. Um, and, and I think a lot of people in, in uh, coaching circles or circles are having that conversation right now. And I think Petrino, if he wants to jump ship after one season in College Station to become a head coach again. I think he's going to have some offers out there. Now, again, I don't think Mississippi State's going to pull the plug after one year. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing that a lot of people are saying, we made, the, we made a mistake here. Again, it was an impossible situation, right? Your, your head coach dies at the end of the year. Like, what do you do? You know, you, you can't go start a, a national search at that point. They just went with what was comfortable. Zach Arnett was doing a great job with the defense. He was, you know, going to be in line to get a head coaching job eventually somewhere. So Mississippi State took a chance, but right now it's just looking ugly. Real quick, Gordon, we just got about uh, 30 or so seconds. What happened to your Texans, man? They gave up their uh, loss to the team that had no wins. What's going on? Playing down to your competition will get you beat every week in the NFL. That's what the Texans have done and, and losses to the Falcons and to the Panthers. This team should be 5-2 and two right now. Instead, they're 3-4, and four, and unfortunate. Because Stroud's played well, but, man, just absolute terrible play, play calling over the week. Oh, they got plenty of time to make up for it, and it looks like the future might be bright there in Houston. So a lot of of time to get it fixed. But as always, Gordy, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Enjoy the week of sports, man, and we look forward to catching up with you again. All right. Thanks, guys.